a dangerous vulnerability in America's defenses. A U.S. military base in Guam at risk of Chinese attacks as Beijing advances missile arsenals. More tariffs and tougher laws. U.S. lawmakers are calling on the White House to stop a flood of Chinese electric cars into the U.S. The Philippines observing a Japanese naval drill for the first time ever. With the U.S., Australia and Canada joined to uphold a free and open Indo-Pacific. And one congressman saying China is becoming a greater threat by the day. How and what can U.S. lawmakers do about it? We need to push back in concert with our allies. Welcome to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Is a U.S. territory highly vulnerable to an attack from Beijing? According to a top American lawmaker, the answer is yes. The front line he's talking about sits about 8,000 miles from the Pentagon on the South Pacific island of Guam. In a letter obtained by Fox News, House China Select Committee Chairman Mike Gallagher asked the U.S. Army for details on how to protect the U.S.'s westernmost territory. So why the sense of urgency? Guam is home to U.S. Air Force and Navy bases. Over 20,000 U.S. troops are stationed there. During any conflicts involving the U.S. in the Pacific, such as a possible clash with China over Taiwan, Guam would be a key point for hosting U.S. bombers and submarines. But that vital military outpost is now under threat. According to Gallagher, China has developed, quote, a formidable inventory of highly capable cruise missiles, adding that those weapons can be launched from multiple platforms, including from ships, submarines and bombers. Guam is a lot closer to China than Hawaii. It's located less than 3,000 miles off China's coast. Gallagher said the U.S. Army's efforts to field the air defense system in Guam, quote, faces an unclear future. That's as the launcher prototype selected back in 2021 was delayed to late 2024 due to supply chain issues. Gallagher is now asking the Army to provide information on the delays. The Army did not immediately respond to a request for comment. China is building up its nuclear arsenal as tensions rise around the world. NTD's Chris Spears spoke with Grant Newsham, senior fellow at the Center for Security Policy, for the latest on the Chinese regime's mounting stockpile. What's the state of China's nuclear arsenal right now? It's, according to government estimates, it's about 500 nuclear warheads, and it's gotten a quickly improving a uh, bunch of missiles to send these uh, warheads out on. Uh, it's worth noting that for many years, it was thought that the Chinese only had about 250, 300. And then suddenly around 2021, the experts decided they had 400. And around 2023, did they decide they have 500. Uh, they're said to have uh, about 1,000 by the end of the decade. But one does note that we've always underestimated the speed at which the Chinese develop their capabilities. So it's quite possible they have more than that, uh, particularly since they've got 3,000 miles of underground tunnels in which to hide them. Grant, can their nuclear weapons reach the United States right now? Uh, some of them can. Uh, that all just depends on the missile you're uh, shooting it off of. Uh, and as their, say, their capabilities increase, they will gradually be able to hit us with more and different types of weapons as well. We're well within range. Now, Grant, you've said China is going through the biggest, fastest military buildup since World War II, and it's being ignored by U.S. lawmakers. How is this possible? Well, it's not being ignored by all of them, uh, yeah. but in total. Uh, they're not able to really take it seriously and, more importantly, have us do the things that we need to 
uh, to do. It was often thought, I think, that the Chinese just aren't our equals. They never will be. And like, a, say, a really good sports team like us, you don't see your rival, your new opponent, coming up and catching up and, in some cases, surpassing you. Uh, so it was, in some cases, willful blindness. I think a lot of it was that, you know, the smell of Chinese money. Uh, but we were asleep. Too many were asleep. And nobody was listening to the people sounding the alarm. And Grant, China's publicly stated goal is to have a world-class military by 2049. Are they on track to reach that goal? Well, I think so. Uh, they're looking at the air, sea, ground forces, outer space, cyber, electronic warfare, uh, nuclear, missile forces everywhere, even uh, looking at the moon as well. Uh, in outer space. So they have really are going about it systematically, and they're making such huge progress that I think one should be very careful to not take them seriously. And they will probably be there before 2049. What's your advice to U.S. lawmakers given all this? Uh, the first thing you have to do is to stop funding the People's Republic of China. We are effectively funding their military buildup. You're going to have to crack down on Wall Street and our business class and the donor class that has so much influence on Capitol Hill. Then come up with a coherent plan for rebuilding our military and fast. All right, Grant Newsham, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Is the U.S. aircraft maker Boeing headed back to the Chinese market? A Sunday report from Bloomberg says China is eyeing new aircraft purchases from Boeing. China stopped buying aircraft from the American plane maker over six years ago. In the shadow of growing tensions between the two countries, not to mention the two deadly crashes linked to Boeing's 737 MAX airplanes. Less than 24 hours after news of the possible China purchase broke, Boeing's stock started rising. Why the sudden change of heart from China? Many see it as Beijing extending a friendly gesture toward Washington. President Biden is set to talk with Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping face-to-face -face this Wednesday in San Francisco. And on the agenda, expanding U.S.-China trade. Besides Boeing, Beijing just made an enormous purchase of U.S. soybeans, totaling over 3 million tons. That's according to the world's biggest crop trader Cargill last week. In light of the upcoming meeting, Beijing's intentions behind the huge soybean order is raising questions. Cargill's executive told Bloomberg that China is buying higher quantities than anyone could have imagined. Soybeans, considered a kind of oil seed, have a range of uses, including as chicken feed, cooking oil and renewable diesel. U.S. President Joe Biden wants to reestablish military-to-military ties with China. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan mentioned the news on Sunday. Something to note, China is currently without a defense minister. Beijing recently ousted General Li Shanfu after he vanished from the public view for months. Here's more. U.S. President Joe Biden will push China to re-establish military ties this week. In an interview with CBS, Sullivan said that, quote, the president is determined to see the re-establishment of military-to-military -military ties because he believes it's in the U.S. national security interest, and that, quote, we need those lines of communication so that there aren't mistakes or miscalculations or miscommunication. Beijing has largely severed military-to-military -military communication with Washington after then-U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan in 2022, the democratic island China claims as its own. Prior to the rupture over Pelosi's visit, the U.S. and Chinese militaries cooperated on exercises and training 
such as this joint humanitarian relief drill in southwest China in 2016. Annual naval drills off Japan's coast kicked off over the weekend. Led by Tokyo, the United States, Australia and Canada also joined the exercises. And for the first time ever, the Philippines participated as an observer. The more that uh, we get a chance to sail and to train together, uh, the stronger that uh, makes our navies, the better it makes our navies. We all learn from one another. The goal of the annual exercises is to show and improve how friendly navies can work together. The event also aims to highlight their presence and commitment to defending a free and open Indo-Pacific. The Allies say increasing aggression and broad territorial claims from China are working against that. The Philippines' participation comes as Filipino Coast Guard vessels have been increasingly harassed by Chinese ships in the disputed South China Sea. The latest confrontation happened Friday. The Philippines accused a Chinese Coast Guard ship of dangerous maneuvers and blasting a Philippine supply ship with a water cannon. China defended its action. President Biden and Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping are set to meet this week on Wednesday at the APEC summit in San Francisco. NTD caught up with Congressman Mike Gallagher at the event to ask him about the Chinese regime's suppression of a U.S.-based performing arts company called Shenyun in South Korea. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on his response. We still didn't. Congressman Mike Gallagher, chairman of the House Select Committee on the CCP, told NTD that China's actions in South Korea is just one example of the regime's economic warfare. I think this is all evidence of a global strategy of economic coercion, uh, which is why we need to push back in concert with our allies. I actually think our ambassador to Japan, Ambassador Emanuel, has done a fantastic job calling out incidents of coercion and calling on the administration in partnership with Congress uh, to push back against Chinese economic coercion. But Gallagher says the most important thing is reducing China's source of leverage for coercion in the first place. The fact is we've become too dependent on China in a variety of areas, whether it's um, critical mineral processing or advanced pharmaceutical ingredients. We're going to have to figure out a way to reclaim our, reclaim our economic independence before it's too late. Because imagine if we found ourselves in a kinetic confrontation with China over Taiwan, they would weaponize supply chains, they would weaponize those points of leverage to bring us and our allies to our knees. And so we have to take action before it's too late, before the shooting starts. The congressman says one of the U.S.'s greatest strengths lies in its network of allies, but that to be victorious in competition against China long term, outdated regulations must be reformed to break down walls in the way of collaboration. He's worried high-level talks might be leaving out human rights. Just as in past competitions with existential threats like the Soviet Union, we used human rights to advance our strategic in, uh, uh, interests. We have to do the same right now. We have to put them at the forefront of our, our grand strategy vis-a-vis -vis China. And we can't, um, we can't ignore the atrocities uh, that the CCP is perpetrating, whether it's in Xinjiang, whether it's in Hong Kong, whether it's just the Chinese people uh, who are, are victims of the, the authoritarianism and the techno-totalitarianism of the regime in Beijing. Gallagher says the U.S. has delayed key defense actions in order to send high-level cabinet officials to Beijing and set up the APEC meeting between Biden and Xi. Over the last few years, we haven't sanctioned a single Chinese official for the genocide in Xinjiang. We haven't sanctioned anyone for the suppression of freedom in Hong Kong. There's been no meaningful investigation into the origins of COVID. Uh, the attempt to play down the spy balloon incident was a joke. 
all in pursuit of this engagement. And so I think it's dangerous. I think it's naive. And paradoxically, it's going to make the Chinese Communist Party more aggressive because these Marxist-Leninist regimes tend to get more aggressive the more you appease and accommodate them. Gallagher's message to the business community is it's time to take off the golden blindfolds. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. World governments are keeping a close eye on North Korea's nuclear threat. To better counter it, the U.S. and South Korea updated a bilateral security deal Monday. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin met with South Korean military officials to discuss deterrence. The annual talks also brought up cooperation on the war in Ukraine and Chinese aggression. The upgrade follows a pledge from the U.S., South Korea and Japan to create a mechanism to share data on North Korea's missile launches. According to the Pentagon, it will facilitate the exchange of real-time missile warning data and improve each country's ability to monitor missiles launched by North Korea. The plan is in the final testing stages and will be fully operational by late December. A group of lawmakers is calling on the Biden administration for help to block an unfair competitive advantage they say is coming from China. Here's what they're asking for. The bipartisan group is pushing for higher tariffs on Chinese cars and to strengthen laws to stop Chinese electric vehicles from flooding the U.S. market. They say state subsidies from Beijing, plus China's dominance in raw materials and EV battery making, drive Chinese-made car prices so low that the American automakers can't compete. States are taking action, too. Voters in rural Michigan just ousted five members of the Green Charter Township's governing board. That's after they backed the construction of a major Chinese-owned EV battery plant. The project was said to bring thousands of jobs, but critics raised national security fears. One trustee cited reports that the would-be Chinese owner of the plant had sworn allegiance to the Chinese Communist Party and could send sensitive information to Beijing. The U.S. pledging to support South Korea with nukes if the situation comes to it. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is in Seoul Monday for annual security talks with South Korean military officials, including the country's defense minister. Here's what he said. We have been tested time and again, and we have met every challenge. Together, we built one of the most robust, capable, and interoperable alliances on Earth. We have deterred major conflict and aggression on the Korean Peninsula for seven decades. If necessary, we remain ready to fight tonight. This year, they're updating a security agreement with the aim of more effectively countering North Korea's nuclear and missile threats. The two leaders signed a new version of the Tailored Deterrence Strategy Agreement. It was revised for the first time in a decade to address the growing threat of North Korea's military nuclear program. The new document spells out that the U.S. would mobilize its full range of military capabilities, including nuclear ones, to defend South Korea in the event of a North Korean nuclear attack. Coming up, President Biden and Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping are set to meet face-to-face -face in San Francisco. What can we expect from the summit? Plus, reports of Chinese-owned crypto mines across the U.S. are sparking national security concerns. What's at risk? We spoke to Antonio Graceffo, economic and national security analyst, for details. More on that after the break here on China in Focus.
Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A pivotal meeting set on the sidelines of the APEC summit in San Francisco. President Biden and Chinese leader Xi Jinping will meet face to face for the first time in a year this week. What's on the discussion board? Plus, alarming reports surface about Chinese-owned crypto mines spreading across the U.S. Why are experts warning of national security risks? To find out, we sat down with Antonio Graceffo, economic and national security analyst. Antonio Graceffo, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Good to see you, Tiffany. President Biden and Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping are set to meet on the sidelines of the APEC summit in San Francisco on Wednesday. What can we expect from this summit? Well, ostensibly, they will be discussing trade and economic uh, ties between the two countries, which are strained right now. Uh, the Taiwan issue will definitely come up, and the and the Hamas-Israel uh, situation will come up as well. You know, we have to show that we are engaging with China. We don't want an actual uh, decoupling in the sense of, you know, a diplomatic decoupling. But, you know, the issues that we have with China are not things that can really be resolved with negotiation. You know, Taiwan doesn't want to be gobbled up by, by China, and we're not going to abandon Taiwan. Israel doesn't want to be killed by Hamas, and we're not going to abandon Israel. So I don't know what major breakthroughs could really come from this. So that's kind of the international conflict. Zooming in on the home front, you actually have a piece out recently on these Chinese crypto mines across the U.S. Seems it was first reported by The New York Times. Now, what are the national security concerns here? It's very concerning. Now, now the actual the uh, the actual mine that was written about in The New York Times story is right next to an Air Force base where the United States has our ballistic missiles. Also, it's very close to a mine. Microsoft data center that handles data for the Department of Defense. So this is very scary because a crypto mine is basically just uh, a factory full of computers, tons and tons and tons of computers. So they could be doing all sorts of surveillance, hacking, all sorts of uh, nefarious activities. Now, when we trace the company, we find out that it is registered in New York. It's incorporated in New York as a pork producer. And the incorporation, I believe, is in the Cayman Islands. So why is it in Wyoming doing Bitcoin mining. Uh, this is one of several Bitcoin mines owned by Chinese entities that have been discovered by U.S. authorities. Uh, and there is a, uh, a lease on land adjacent to this factory by another Chinese entity which plans to open a Bitcoin mine. So it's very concerning. On that note, why is China pushing for these crypto mines when it is illegal in China? Right. Well, part of it is because it is illegal in China. So the crypto mines had to move out of China. So they came to the U.S. taking advantage of our lax legal system. Also, we have cheap electricity. So this was these were inducements for for, let's say, Bitcoin miners who are entrepreneurs. That would be their inducement for doing this. But the Chinese government may have an interest in this, which is that they can they can do spying and espionage. Also, they can threaten the grid. Um, apparently, these Bitcoin mines draw incredible amounts of current and they uh, they do this in surges, and if they surge at the right moment, it could actually crash the local grid. So this could even be sort of a Trojan horse that if there's a war or if they wanted to take down the grid in a particular area, they could do it through one of these Bitcoin mines. Given that risk, how are these Chinese crypto mines allowed to be in the U.S.? Well, under our laws, we have a lot of freedoms, you know, under our laws, and we allow foreigners to come to the United States and open companies. Um, it's fairly easy to do this, and they may not actually have violated any American laws, except if we can prove 
that they're connected to the CCP, which actually we know that they're connected to the CCP. But if we can prove that they are um, enemy agents and did not register as enemy agents, then they would be in violation. But interestingly, the, the owner CEO of this particular mine has direct ties to the Communist Party and was a party leader uh, in his home city in China. You mentioned how we know that this company has ties to the Chinese Communist Party. It seems it's not just crypto. You and I have talked in the past about biolabs. Any updates there? Oh, there's no real updates on the biolabs, but there were the biolab. There was a biolab discovered in California that was doing very scary research with COVID and other contagious diseases. Um, two years ago, there were um, DNA labs. Um, these uh, birth. Uh, what do you call it, hereditary uh, tracing, where you could send in your saliva and they'll tell you that you're related to Catherine the Great or some person from history. Uh, it turns out that these companies all had ties to to China and they were um, contributing to Chinese DNA uh, uh, libraries and um, information about Americans. There were um, paternity clinics that were opened up near uh, U.S. military bases that had ties to China. So I just see a pattern of very scary China-linked, government-linked, CCP-linked companies opening in the United States. And they, unless we change the U.S. laws, they're not necessarily in violation of U.S. law. Meanwhile, they pose a tremendous threat to our national security. Antonio Graceffo, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Tiffany. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.